Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Muswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra-competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk. Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more. Hello everyone, you're listening to Audiobookish. My name is Fahed Rahman, and as always, I am joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And we've got two guests joining us today. We've got Imogen Church and Alba Proko. They'll be here to talk about the audio festival taking place on the 22nd of November. It's a Bookature's Audio Festival, which is an online celebration of audiobooks that's now in its third year. Bookature are a leading publisher of best-selling commercial fiction and are hugely passionate about enabling people to enjoy their titles in the format that works best for them, including audiobooks. The day will include personal videos from bloggers, readers and authors about why they love audiobooks, important insights from people in the blind and dyslexics communities about why audiobooks are important to them, and interviews with narrators or voice actors and authors who've had their stories brought to life. Um, Poppy, would you like to read out Imogen's bio, please? Yes. So Imogen is an award-winning actor and scriptwriter, ex-burlesque dancer, adoptive parent and lover of satire. Her debut novel, Death and the Burlesque Maiden, was published by Audible Originals in 2021, and her one-woman full-cast horror comedy audio drama, Boop, has just been released on ZigZag. She narrates audiobooks like an absolute boss, and she acts the pants off audio dramas in an array of roles, ranging from megalomaniac evil lizard queen to psychopathic steampunk engineer. She scriptwrites satire and horror comedy. And uh, Alba Proko is the head of audio publishing at Bookature, having joined in 2020 from Bonnier Books UK. She has worked on a variety of audiobooks over the past eight years, from best-selling celebrity memoirs to romantic fantasy for a bit of spice, some of which have been shortlisted and won audio book awards. A big part of her job is casting narrators and overseeing production. So um, hello and welcome. And how are you both doing? Hello. Very hello. good. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, wonderful. We're pleased to have you. That's great. So Poppy, do you want to uh, maybe start with the, the first question? Yeah. So we thought we'd start off with kind of a, how did you get into audiobooks um, and what kind of audiobooks you like to listen to and stuff like that, get a, a flavour of 
how you like audiobooks. Um, so uh, Imogen, do you want to kick us off? I will give you my origin story. <laughs> Please do. It might take a minute. Um, so I was an out-of-work actor for a long time, just doing your average kind of a commercial a year, maybe a play, blah de blah de blah mm. And after years of not really having much success, I had a moment where I thought, oh, do you know what? I'd love to do audiobooks. So I got in touch with the RNIB, which mm-hmm. is Royal National Institute for Blind People, and kind of said, I've got this skill. Could I be of any use to you? And they said, come in and audition. So I went in and read a bit of a kid's book for my audition. And they kind of said, well, you know, there are millions of kind of middle class white girls <laughs> with acting talent, blah, blah, blah. And then I happened to mention that I had spent a couple of years as a burlesque dancer. At which point, the guy who was auditioning me went, oh, really? So the RNIB have a policy whereby only two blind people have to request a specific book and then they have to record mm-hmm. it. They get a lot of requests for audio porn. <laughs> so when I said I'd been a burlesque dancer and worked in cabaret, they were like, oh, my God. And they were like, would you mind reading erotica? And I was like, I don't care. Um, yeah, and I had my first job within like two weeks. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And my first however many books were all audio erotica. So that yeah. was kind of how I began. And um, after that, a little while later was when the lovely Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Mm-hmm. And all the big commercial publishers were like, oh, God, we better publish some audio porn. <laughs> Who do we get to narrate it? Oh, I know. The R&IB do loads of erotica. Let's ask them. And amongst some other people, they said, get Imogen in. So I did some audio erotica for the big publishers and it went really well. And they were like, can you narrate things other than nips and buns? And I was like, yeah, I can. And that's kind of how it all began. So there we go. Awesome. Yeah. And so, Alba, yeah, how did you start getting into audiobooks and into the, the job you're in now? Um, I, I just love Imogen's story and I don't think mine can be <laughs> as interesting as that. Well, I think as you'd expected, a lot of people working publishing, they have an English degree. So mm-hmm. I sort of come from an English degree background, but I've always been very interested in digital publishing. Mm-hmm. It's a, such a fascinating area. And at the start of my career, this was obviously mostly ebooks, but then audio started becoming very popular. And so my role focused more on audiobooks. And as Imogen said, once they start becoming really, really popular, publishers suddenly wanted to produce and publish more audiobooks than ever. So mm-hmm. they were like, okay, let's establish audio departments now and try and make as many audiobooks as possible and give a lot of actors a lot of work. Um, so yeah, I started sort of focusing more on audiobooks and audio production. And now I'm working on audiobooks as well as being part of the editorial team, which is also a bit more creative and um, mm. yeah. Okay, yeah. That's that's great. Um, so kind of what type of audiobooks do you both tend to like to to listen to? Well, interestingly, because I obviously work on mostly fiction day in, day out, mm-hmm. when I'm listening, I tend to like nonfiction. And my absolute favorite is biographies, autobiographies and biographies. So yeah, that would that's always my choice. And I guess it's because I spend all day <laughs> uh, narrating <laughs> fiction. 
Yeah, same for me. I think it's a very, I think nonfiction audiobooks are a really good way of getting into audiobooks when you're first starting out, not sure about the format, how it's going to work for you. Mm. Um, so I did, I did sort of start listening on my first audiobooks. They were definitely uh, biographies narrated by the authors themselves. Um, and since then, I've sort of moved away a bit from nonfiction, trying to do more like fantasy now. But I felt like initially I felt I couldn't really focus as much as a listener. I couldn't really focus as much in the story. But I think you just start developing that, like that connection with the format. Mm. And then I just really got into them so much that I'm now taking my audiobooks with me when I'm showering. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. I got a, um, a little duck speaker thing um, so you could listen in the bath and in the shower and stuff like that. But I'll be honest, it's not very good, so it wasn't very clear. But uh, yeah, a nice listen in the bath is uh, is definitely good. I love that. Well, well, a lot of phones now are, you know, waterproof, so you can just bring them yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it's really good. Um, and then also, yeah, what you said there about kind of using nonfiction to get into audiobooks, I sort of had a bit of the other way around because I used audio to get into nonfiction. Um, as long-time listeners of the podcast will know, I didn't really listen to much nonfiction and then had introduced me to quite a bit through audio. And I've mm. since really enjoyed it because, yeah, I think it's a good way to get into, yeah, kind of topics that you maybe wouldn't normally be as invested in or difficult concepts or various things like that. It can be a really good, good format for that. Um, and I think, yeah, we've been wanting to speak about sort of different types of audiobooks, different genres, which you think work, you know, so well in audio and about how they're treated differently as well, different genres and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, sort of from what works well in audio, it's very similar to what works well in other formats, but in terms of how immersive you can get with audiobooks, crime and thriller are definitely one of the top genres that work so well in the UK and the US as well. Nonfiction has a big chunk of that and as you said like biographies led by celebrities um mm. self-help and a lot of the smart thinking kind of audiobooks are really great for consumption because it makes everything sound a lot simpler and you just you can easily sort of dip in and out of it without mm -hmm. having to listen to the whole thing so those are sort of one of the top genres that are absolutely great for audiobooks sff science fiction fantasy is also very big um mm. but i think that's also a lot more in the states and i i do think there are like there's definitely genres out there that can do a lot better in audio and romance is one of them obviously romance has a lot of different subgenres and erotica is one of them but i think there's just so much potential with romance in audiobooks and also obviously let's not forget children's books that can be so immersive and so much fun to yeah. listen to in audio yeah, my I was asked to do a trilogy of kids' books a couple of years ago, and I said yes, partly because Chris Riddell was the illustrator and I got really fangirly, <laughs> but also because I thought maybe it'll get my son into audiobooks. Mm. So he has been listening to book one of the trilogy on loop for four oh. years. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> for years. But I would say, and I'd read about this because I have a master's in children's literature, so I knew this mm. was kind of talked about in academia, but I've seen it work. His literacy since yeah. he started listening mm. to audiobooks just went through the roof. Mm -hmm. It's mad. Yeah, definitely. No, there's been so many benefits for it and stuff like that, and kind of, you know, studies and things like that. But just anecdotally, you know, I know that 
listening to audiobooks as a kid, you know, got me into the career I'm in now and and everything like that. And, you know, I was listening to stories above my reading level, which helped with comprehension and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So, yeah, as well as just enjoying it and finding it really fun and getting into performance and stuff like that. So talking of um, listening when you're a kid, mm. going right back to the origin origin story, I learned to read listening to these cassette tapes mm. that came with a matching, like, comic and they yeah. would come every fortnight and it would have excerpts of longer stories like The Wizard of Oz and it would have short stories and poems and you would follow the text in the comic and then mm-hmm. when it was time to turn the page you would hear this bing and you would listen and read at the same time and that's how I learned to read. And I remember listening, it had amazing actors in it like Miriam Margulies, Derek Jackley, mm. Hayley Mills, all these wonderful people. And I still have to pinch myself sometimes when I think, oh my God, I grew up to do that for a job. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And so talking of that then, what do you think makes kind of audio such an exciting kind of sphere to work in? So yeah, for you, Imogen, as opposed to acting of other different mediums of acting, you know, on um, stage and TV and that kind of thing. And then yeah, for Alba, as opposed to those other areas of publishing, you know, kind of print publishing, ebook publishing and stuff like that. For me personally, the absolute best thing about audio is the intimacy of it. Mm. So the only other kind of acting art form that's really, really super intimate is film. But then you're not shooting, you never shoot stuff in sequence, you do retakes, mm. blah, 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 blah. So if you're doing a play, you can just go through the story in sequence and really get into it. But it doesn't have anywhere near the intimacy that audio and film do. But audio, mm. for me, as quite a shy, hermit-like actor, <laughs> I just get to sit in a room sink into the characters, go in sequence and just play out this entire kind of audio movie in my head. And the distance between you and the microphone is like a hand's width. That's how close you are to your audience. There's nothing else that's that intimate and, I don't know, just tender, really. That's what I love about it. I always say to people who are starting out and who want to know how to get into it you have to imagine you're sitting right next to your best best friend and just telling them this story you don't have to project or throw it to the back stalls you just sit next to somebody you love and tell them a story which I love oh awesome yeah what an answer yeah that it's the same for me actually when I when you know when you work with authors who are reading their own um audiobooks that's actually Mm -hmm. actually the first advice that I give them imagine you're telling your story to a friend so that it comes more naturally you know you you just get that intimacy through the microphone more easily that way and I, I mean for me it's it's something it's a phrase that we use all the time but audiobooks do bring the author's stories to life in an amazing mm-hmm. way um, it's a very powerful format and it's it's amazing when I see you know when narrators have done an outstanding job it has actually brought authors to tears listening to Mm -hmm. the story in a good way it's just such an accessible format and has the potential to fit in well with a busy lifestyle when people might not necessarily have time to sit down and read and also as you said earlier like it helps with literacy and also with learning differences but also another sort of amazing thing about the format is it has brought a lot of people into reading like there were there are a lot Mm -hmm. of people out there who've never bought any books but if audio wasn't a thing, they would never really read anything. 
Mm-hmm. So that's a, one of the many things that I love about working in audio. It's just it's just so accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. I get messages, I get emails like that a lot, actually, from people who say, I was so embarrassed and felt really ashamed that I wasn't a reader. And mm. listening to you makes me feel like I, I've become a reader, to which I write back and say, you are the original reader, because original yeah. stories were originally told through the ears so I call it ear reading instead of eye reading and eye reading came centuries later so I always write back to them and say you are the OG you are the original reader (laughs) and that's why that's also I think why it's so popular and I don't think it will ever change is because we have that hardwired love of listening to another human being tell us a story yeah for sure great so um can you uh, maybe like both talk like briefly about the life of an audiobook kind of you know, how does that start getting into like production maybe Alba you can kind of maybe start when you get the script for the book and how does that kind of process begin for you Yes so we obviously wait for the book to be written and edited we might have some discussions with the team originally especially if it's a very specific kind of casting that we need but essentially once we have a manuscript that has been edited we start the casting process and the casting process can take several weeks and it can take different forms. We have what we call a casting brief. So it's very sort of detailed information about main characters and everything else that we need in order to make a decision about casting. And we get in touch with a lot of agencies out there, or if we have direct contacts with narrators, we get in touch with them directly, see if they're interested and you know, if if they if they would be available as well, and once mm. that we get shortlist, and then we pick our narrator or narrators, and once the casting is completed, we confirm the recording dates with the narrator, and that also depends on how long the audiobook is. So usually, mm. you'd be in the booth recording for at least two days or three days for a normal length audiobook, like seven hours, let's say seven eight hours. Um, And that's a full day of, you know, a full working day recording. And yes, and then then sort of once that's confirmed, we then work with the narrator to do any research before recording. And I think Imogen can say a bit more about what she does to prep the manuscript. Yeah, so I, I would read through the whole book in really good detail once before going in to narrate it. So that includes... Mm-hmm making kind of notes on the different characters, uh, looking up words, even words that I think I know. (laughs) Quite often when I look them up, I'm like, oh my God, I have mispronounced that for my entire life. Mm -hmm. So looking up words, uh, character notes, trying to work out just kind of the feel and the tone of the story and and then sometimes asking the author, which can be a whole... can of worms if you you go down the road the wrong direction Uh, but yeah asking them if they want any input on any particular characters or accents or anything like that and then yeah as Alba said most books are kind of I don't know three days in studio I have done fantasy books that were six days because they can be 600 pages 700 pages yeah and then we do kind of an office day so 10 till 5 type thing And you tend to do four sessions of about an hour and 15 each, which is just you reading nonstop, bar mistakes, and then breaks in between. So that's a kind of regular office day in the studio. And most books, like I said, take about three days. Yeah. 
Yeah, so once Imogen, for example, once she has narrated the full audiobook, then we have what we call the post-production stage. And then the first part of that stage is the proof listener will have the manuscript on their screen and also listen to the recording line by line. And there will not any background noise, any sort of mispronunciations, any inconsistencies with names or anything like that. Anything basically they find that they think we need to edit out or re-record. And mm. after they've done their sort of report on that, we then sort of check if we need to do any pickups with the narrator where we have to re-record a sentence again or any phrases. And then once that's done, it goes into the editing stage where they basically clean up the audio, they add in any changes with the pickups. And the final stage is the sound mixing and mastering stage where they get the levels of the audio to where it needs to be, get everything in chapters so it's good to go to retailers. And I think depends obviously on the length of the audiobook and how complex the production has been, but it can take anything, like the whole production can take anything from minimum two weeks to five weeks. It just, it depends, but it is not a quick process. It, it takes, you know, it takes a few steps and... It's not like ebooks, for example, where you can just get it, um, you know, converted and done very quickly. It's, it's quite a, mm-hmm. a long process. Yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. Well, thank you. That's really interesting for people to hear. Funny for me, with uh, a lot of that being what I do in my day to day. Nice to hear someone else uh, describing it and putting it out like that. Um, so yeah, and so Albert, um, one thing I was wondering as well was kind of. Uh, if you could tell the listeners what kind of things you look at when casting narrators. So I know you talked about obviously it aligning with the brief and who the characters are and stuff like that. Um, but maybe even just sort of when you're listening to those auditions or whatever, what kind of things stand out to you for who's going to be a great narrator for this book? Sure. Yeah. I have to say, I do feel like a film casting director sometimes when I'm casting for audiobooks, because, you know, in a way you're doing exactly what they're doing, but you're just focusing on the voice and the mm-hmm. characters that you have in the book. So I will look at the main characters. I'll look at sort of their age, what's the voice, gender, how many accents do we have, how many voices do we have, what point of views do we have, is it first person or third person? And then obviously it depends on whether it's a complex book or not. Um, as I was saying, like an epic fantasy book can be so long and it will have so many characters that sometimes mm-hmm. it's good to have a more experienced narrator in the genre. And also to cast someone who has like a variety of character voices they can do. So they mm. can distinguish between each character. And also obviously you have historical books that could have a lot of other languages and a lot of other pronunciations in them, foreign pronunciations. So it might be good to look at what other languages are needed for the narrator to know, or at least be able to pronounce. Um, mm. I think the two main things apart from all of this is, is their tone suitable for the mm-hmm. story and the genre? For example, you can't really have an upbeat voice for a heartbreaking historical book um Mm. you kind of have to reconcile the two but as something else that we also do and we're really proud of that is we nurture a lot of new narrators when Mm -hmm. we think there's potential talent so and also you know how open narrators can be to casting and directing as well because not everyone can narrate audiobooks really well even people who have won oscars yeah yeah that is very, very true. Yeah. I have a friend who, <laughs> who writes and directs a lot of uh, audio drama and he was trying to get Maggie Smith for something. And she just turned him down flat and said, darling, I'm shit at radio. 
<laughs> yeah, it's not, it's, it's a really niche skill. Mm-hmm. If you have it, it's wonderful, wonderful career. But just because you're a good actor doesn't necessarily mean you have that niche skill. You just have mm. to try. And the best way to try if you're, if you're keen to get into it is just read out loud at home for a long period of time. And if you want to cut your own face off, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Yeah, you've got to be comfortable with sitting and reading, as you're saying, for long days and be happy with that. And yeah, be able to do those different voices and things and have that skill. So yeah, it's it's certainly very difficult and not to be taken for granted at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, What's the most surprising thing that you've learned from uh, working in audio that you think our listeners wouldn't be aware of? Personally, how noisy clothes are. (laughs) (laughs) So true. So there are so many different fabrics of clothing, obviously, but even so most of the stuff I wear is cotton, but there are different types of cotton and you wouldn't believe how noisy some cottons are. I was doing this job, a drama job with an amazing, really experienced actress and her top was so noisy, she had to go behind a screen and take it off and just wear her (laughs) jacket with nothing underneath. So yeah, things, the noise of even the tinkle of a watch, if you're moving your Mm. hand around, earrings, yeah, yeah, the noises, the extraneous noises, which also includes, I would say, how noisy your stomach gets when you're hungry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the things that surprised me a lot when I started working with audiobooks. I have a funny story as well. Mm. very similar to that where a narrator was wearing very noisy trousers (laughs) (laughs) and they had to take them off (laughs) was it a show (laughs) (laughs) but at least you know because you're in different booth recording and there's a table you know above your waist you couldn't really see anything (laughs) So, but it's 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 amazing how like the microphone picks up every single thing that you do. Um, mm. But what it's really like something else that really surprised me is how intense it is. As Imogen was saying, you are literally in a dark, tiny booth for seven hours every day, yeah. and you're just reading off your screen for so long that you you also need to be focused as well so I think that is just so intense when I did it for like a two hours in the studio as, as you know when I'm accompanying an author or a narrator mm. I walk out with a headache <laughs> so I'm really like I'm really I'm in awe of all narrators out there like how like it's definitely a skill but also being able to stay still for seven hours every mm. day it's amazing this was going to be my other point, actually, is how physically exhausting it is. It's shocking because mm. you just think you're just sitting in a chair reading a lovely book. But actually, <laughs> when you're, well, particularly the way I narrate books, when you're really gunning fully for all the characters, all the emotion, as Alba said, it's really common for me to come out of the studio and just have a stinking headache and be absolutely exhausted. Mm. So, I mean, have you kind of developed the habit of like stopping to fidget? Because I fidget a lot when I'm doing the, the, the podcast. I was just wondering if that's something that you'd had to uh, learn how to do is to, to maybe stop fidgeting. I think I have. And I think I always have had a freakish ability to just sink into almost like a trance-like state of laser focus. So weirdly, I don't fidget I don't find myself fidgeting while I'm working, but I have to exercise before and after. Mm. And it's like getting rid of all the adrenaline. 
So maybe if I didn't exercise before, I might be more fidgety. But yeah, I do have a sickening laser focus that means I just I just sit. But the flip side of that is it means at the end of the day, you've got a crick in your neck, you know, mm. your back's playing up because you've just been so tensely still for this whole day. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I imagine some studios are more comfortable than others as well and kind of seats and things like that for sitting that length of time or the position where the, you know, the script is for your reading off and where the mic is for your speaking into and stuff like that, that, that makes that difficult. Definitely. And also, depending on the studio and depending on the weather. So there was a studio I used to work at a lot and it was just a series of black boxes. There was no aircon because silent aircon is so expensive Mm. only the big 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 studios have that and so all of us would come out for breaks in our pants (laughs) in our fight underwear in need of ice lollies running our head under the water because it was just like a little it was slightly like torture (laughs) yeah and so what we've learned is when you're listening to an audiobook the person talking to you is probably not wearing many clothes (laughs) Either because they're noisy or because they're too warm. One of the two. <laughs> and also, also, a lot of the studios and the booths, there are no windows around. So you have mm. absolutely no idea what time it is, what's the weather outside. It's a bit like you're in a casino and you just come out <sighs> and you just, you, you're like, when am I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which may be good at the moment with the fact that it's now just getting darker earlier and uh, was just saying earlier how I'm... Oh, just tired already and it feels like the end of the day um so yeah I guess in that sense it can be sometimes a a nice surprise or a less nice surprise when you come out and don't know <laughs> what time it is yeah Poppy do you want to take the uh the next question I mean the next one we have on our list is um a bit more about the festival Alba, if you'd be able to tell us a bit more about that kind of what people can look forward to how to join things like that yeah, of course. So we, we started in 2021 and we have a dedicated day once a year to celebrate audiobooks and our love for them, spread the word about the format and why it's so great, but also to build the audiobook community even further. So what we're doing this year is we're sharing a lot of personal videos from bloggers and authors and readers, along with any narrators. We're doing giveaways, we're doing competitions. We have limited time, free to listen, handpicked audiobooks for the day. And we're also doing a lot of interviews with authors and narrators. And actually this year we're doing our live interview on TikTok for the first time uh, with Laura Horwitz, who is a narrator and TikTok creator. Mm. And she's absolutely hilarious. I'm really looking forward to that one. And everyone can just follow Bookature on social media and also they can post through the hashtag Audio Festival. And I have to say everyone is welcome, even if you're skeptical about whether audiobooks can work for you or not. Just give it a go and see what everyone is talking about. Yeah, awesome. And um, what's the lineup going to be like for the festival? Have you got your guests confirmed and stuff like that? Yeah, so I mean, it's across all of our authors and bloggers everyone can join and Laura the narrator is one of our guests but also we're just confirming an author and a narrator together to talk about the production of their audiobook and I think that's quite nice and quite important to see how you know how the narrator can take the author's story and then sort of bring it to life and then also mm-hmm. hear from the author's perspective about what they they thought of the audiobook and how, you know, what they think about audiobooks and their stories being brought to life in audiobook format. So that's going to be quite interesting as well. And we just 
doing a variety of things across the day until late in the evening. And we're just going to hear from all of communities, as I said before, like people in blind dyslexic community and also from our studios, the studios that we work with. And we very much encourage all of our narrators to join as well. That sounds great. Um, what part of the festival are you going to be looking forward to the most? I like, I'm interested in the panel with the narrator and the author. Uh, so I narrate all of Ruth Ware's books and I got to interview her earlier in the year. And it was really, really fascinating to get questions from the audience between mm. the author and the narrator and how we work together, which for the most part is wonderful because Ruth just leaves me alone. <laughs> I <can do> whatever <laughs> I want. But yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in that dynamic and how it feeds into each other, especially with series and especially with like with myself and Ruth when you've been working together for like, God, I don't know, seven years doing a book wow. each year. It's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Last year we did the same with one of our series and it was just amazing to see how, you know, how people remember doing the same voices for uh, for mm-hmm. some characters when it's like, you know, your book 16 in the series. How do you remember a character from book two? Mm-hmm. So it's I think that's quite nice and very interesting conversation. And it's just you just see both sides as well and how narrators interpret the characters as well. Yeah, I mean, what was that um, book on the Children's Book of the Year award that we listened to with Ian McKellen? What book was uh, that? The Wolfbane. Wolfbane. And there was a mm. bit at the end where Ian was kind of talking to the author and they'd been on this like long journey together, kind of like they, mm-hmm. because he'd, he'd done all the audiobooks in that series. So it's kind of, you know, authors and narrators can kind of develop kind of quite a personal relationship with each other. Yeah, I did one trilogy where, um, and he was writing them as we went, and I chose a particular characterization for one of the characters and a voice he hadn't envisaged. And after he listened mm. to it, he said, Oh, I like that. So he kind of, <laughs> I've given her this northern accent. And then for the second book, he just leant into it and gave her all of these wonderful kind of northern colloquialisms. And then another it. guy I worked with after doing his first book, in the second book, because he knew I was good at accents, deliberately wrote in a character who was described as sounding like a Russian Californian Barbie doll with nasal issues. (laughs) (laughs) He even messaged me on Twitter and was like, good luck. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's also, from a listener's perspective as well, when it's this long-standing series, they're so committed and so dedicated to that particular narrator throughout the stories that if for whatever reason you dare switch the narrator to someone mm. else oh you have hell to pay <laughs> <laughs> it's so true yeah definitely and it's, it's really nice hearing that kind of stuff about like the collaboration with author and narrator and stuff like that and especially when yeah they consider audio when they're writing you know heard stories about kind of like Oh, I never used to think about it. But then now when I write my books, I think about how someone's going to say it. Or I think about this narrator's voice is in my head when I'm writing it kind of thing, Um, (laughs) which is really, really nice. And really nice, obviously, for that kind of, yeah, the the end product of it, it ends up being uh, even better. And it's just an interesting thing in general. But then also, I think, 
that promotion of the format and that inclusivity, which I know is a big reason why Bookature are doing this festival, mm. is promoting the fact that the audiobooks are inclusive. They allowed a lot of people to access books who otherwise wouldn't be accessing books. And so, yeah, the fact that authors are now considering those people in their audience for the books that they're writing is just so, so important. And I'm really glad that's happening. Yeah, exactly. We have authors who have, you know, they've listened to every single audiobook. Yeah. And then for the next book, they actually make notes about what to refine in their writing. So it flows Mm. more easily in audiobook format. Mm -hmm. So I think it's part of growing as a writer as well. If you listen to your audiobooks, you can provide with so much insight about your writing as well. Well, Um, can I say though, this is what I say to authors all the time, don't leave it until the audiobook is made. Read the work out loud while you're still writing, right? Because sometimes I'll read a sentence out loud and it will be so repetitive and I'll think this person hasn't read it out loud. If they'd mm-hmm. just taken the time just bit by bit to go through each chapter and read it out loud themselves, that's even a stage where you can work through stuff, you know, without even having to let it get to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I think to the earlier question of kind of what surprised you with working on audiobooks, what my answer would probably be would be around the kind of author input sort of side of it because you know listening from a little kid and one of the audiobooks that really got me into it was the His Dark Materials trilogy where the narration is by Philip Pullman himself and then there's actors doing the different characters and yeah I think I certainly had and I think a lot of people have this idea that oh, well, the author knows best, the author knows how it would be said. Um, you know, they wrote that line, they know how it, how they think it should be said and, and stuff like that. And and you often assume, oh, well, you know, you want to hear it from the source, you know, you want them to say it because they'd say it right. But actually, that's not necessarily the case. And a, a professional narrator who knows how to bring these characters to life, who can, you know, add uh, some real emphasis and excitement to it that can be really, really interesting. And yeah, just because a bit like we we're saying, of it's a niche for actors, it certainly is for authors. Just because you can write amazing things doesn't mean you can sit in a studio for seven hours a day and uh, and read them, or yeah, kind of direct people on how they should be reading it or anything like that. So yeah, I think like you touched on Imogen, the sometimes the author will kind of yeah fill in that brief and then let you get on with it, and then other times will be a lot more involved. And it really is a case by case kind of thing I think do you find that yeah I do and I've also heard from producers who've had authors Mm. narrating their own books who've just stopped and gone I can't believe I wrote this shit (laughs) 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 so sometimes even for the author they're like what is this why did I do this and Mm. I've heard of authors starting to try to do their books and then just giving up and saying no please somebody else do that Um, And I was on a panel at the Cheltenham Literary Festival with Mark Billingham. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Crime writer. Yeah, yeah. So he was an actor, used to be an actor. So he narrates all his own books. And Mm -hmm. he actually doesn't provide his final until he's narrated his book. Because as he's narrating it, I mean, it's probably a nightmare for the publishers. But as- well, yeah, as the person whose job it is to chase finals, um, <laughs> that would be my nightmare. But yes, <laughs> as he's narrating it, he's like, no, that doesn't work. Scribble, scribble, scribble. Make this change. Do this. So, yeah, I'm sure it's a nightmare for the publishers. But I thought, <laughs> wow, that's really very insightful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And at least in that instance, in the author's changing it, you know they're going to be happy with it, which yeah. uh, is kind of the main thing for making sure you get the final and stuff like that. And, they, you know, one department doesn't change something in the print version that then never gets picked up in the audio and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. 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 And um, can you just tell us where people can join the festival? Is there like a website, social media hashtag? Yeah, the social media hashtag is Audio Festival, and we'll be posting across all of our social media platforms on the Booker channel. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok as well, where we'll be doing our live. So just across social media, and we're using the hashtag Audio Festival. Okay, that's great. Um, what does success look like to you both? And you can kind of take that as a macro or as a, as big as you want or as a, a small as you want. Well, I mean, obviously, in the wider sense, just being happy. <laughs> That's yeah. all that really counts. Um, in terms of acting, I remember when I was at drama school thinking, I, I just want to be an actor. I'm not interested in being famous. If there was kind mm. of a state-sponsored job where you got paid <laughs> the same as a teacher to be an actor on payroll, I would still do it. And a lot of actors wouldn't because it's about something else for them. Um, so for me... Finding audio has just been astonishing. I mean, other than the actors I know who are like properly famous, mm. I work more than any actor I know. I'm never out mm. of work and haven't been for about 14 years. It's just constant. So for me, I, I, I've just knocked it out of the park and I'm very happy. Wonderful. Well, you're doing an amazing job with audiobooks and you're definitely one of the most loved audio narrators out there. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. I think as a publisher, obviously you're looking at the audiobooks um, you've produced and you want them to have good ratings and reviews, right? So, mm. you know, for us, success looks like good reviews, about four four stars. And also because we are a commercial publisher, we are sort of focusing on sales, but that sort of is different for each, each genre. Um, so it can mean mm -hmm. different things for each genre as well. So... Overall, I, I think when you have a happy audience, when you have a happy author, that's what success looks like. And on a personal level for me, when I'm working with audiobooks, I think, you know, that also gives me a lot of satisfaction, but mm. also doing different things and working a variety of genres. It's so amazing. And I learn new things every single day and working with different talent as well. And also, as I said, like nurturing new talent is mm. really good to see narrators who have started narrating our audiobooks, like the, their first audiobooks were our audiobooks. And then you see them picking up more work from different publishers and becoming quite established mm. audiobook narrators. I think that that's quite important in terms of being more inclusive and also trying to sort of cast a wider net and not just working with established narrators and trying to get more people into into audiobooks essentially trying to get more people to mm -hmm. listen to audiobooks and that's why we're doing this festival as well when we're we're not publishing anything else on that day we're just focusing on the audiobook festival and everything on our platforms is about why we love audiobooks and that's a big part of why you know what success looks like for us as well amazing how oh, wonderful Thank you so, so much both. That's been a really, really enjoyable discussion and I've learned a lot and yeah, it's been really interesting. Oh, thank you. It was thank really, you really good. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you once again for joining us. So before we kind of um, let you go, what are projects that we should be kind of looking to see from you next? Kind of like what, what are the kind of big things coming next from you both apart from the, the Audio Fest that you'd uh, like people to know about? 
Well, I would like people to download ZigZag, which is an awesome audio platform that has no subscription fee, and listen to my aforementioned one-woman full-cast horror comedy audio drama, which is called Boop, and is about a bunch of foster kids who get adopted by a deranged wellness influencer. Um, A big chunk of the proceeds will go to the charity Break, which does amazing work with kids in and around care. And yeah, it's just about raising awareness about um, kids from the foster care system and prejudice against them and actually how awesome they are. Brilliant. Sounds really good. Well, I have a lot of audiobooks that I'm working on and I'm excited about. <laughs> um, if I have to pick one, I'll pick The Housemaid is Watching by Frida McFadden. And, you know, she's been an amazing author. And if you've listened to The Housemaid and The Housemaid's Secrets, you will absolutely love book three in the series and see what the main character is off to next. But that's not out until next year, 2024. But it's, trust me, it's worth the wait. <laughs> Now, we did not plan this, but we are planning an episode about The Housemaid by Frieda McFadden. So the first one in that series. Um, So that's nicely tied in there. So yeah, uh, listeners, keep your ears peeled for our review of that. Maybe go listen to it first and then come and join us for a chat about it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, carry on Alba's recommendation for the, um, the future ones in the series. Yeah, you'll be in for a treat. Awesome. So um, uh, once again, thank you to both of you for joining us. If you like, do you want to share your social media handles so people can kind of find you after they've find you? That's just a sinister way of putting it. <laughs> um, track you down. So, people, yeah, so if uh, people would uh, like to uh, uh, follow you on social media, if you want to share your social media handles as well. Yeah, my uh, I'm on lots of places, but I'm only really good on Instagram, which is at Imogen Church Gobshite. And my website website is www.imogenchurch.com and you can email me through there. Amazing. Yeah, so I I think the best way to reach me is on Twitter. So my profile handle is at Alba underscore Adri. So that's A-D-R-I-E and capital P. Sorry, it's a very complicated way of saying I have two names. It's Alba Adriana. Okay, that's great. (laughs) Just to remind our listeners the audio fest will be taking place on the 22nd of november you'll be able to find it online at bookature's social media you can email us at audiobookishpod at gmail.com and you can follow us on social media at audiobookishpod thank you once again for joining us let's uh let's say goodbye everyone bye thank you thank you for listening